Oh my god, they made Dak fade in Chinese. Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 30. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by Midnight Pre-Release Master Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. Oh, I was not the Midnight Pre-Release Master. I was at the Midnight Pre-Release, but our boy, Matt Brusso, actually took down the Pre-Release, and since we both went together, I was stuck riding his success until 5, 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> is that risk factor, Matt? That is risk factor, Matt. Yes, it is. That's awesome. So he won, what, 10 packs or whatever? Uh, Nine. He got, he got a few draft sets for his five hours of labor. That's awesome. Those, those ones, I went to a couple of those up in Danvers, is it? Yes. Yeah, those are fun. It, it, it does take a lot out of you, though, getting home at 6 a.m. We did not go to the location that you had been to, thankfully, but we still had a blast. Yeah, this storm wrecked us this weekend. I actually was planning on maybe hitting up a pre-release after old school on Saturday over at Gaming Etc., but the the snow was already falling by the time I left, and uh, I was just kind of like, fuck this. I had the only four-wheel drive vehicle. My wife has a Hyundai, so... I kind of was needed at home. Yeah, I spent all of Sunday shoveling frozen, wet, heavy snow, and it it sucked. I don't have a small driveway. There are six cars that can park in it, and it's, I don't know, a good 30 yards to the actual street. So that was that was my Sunday. And for all of you that are listening in places that don't get snow, man, enjoy it. Absolutely enjoy it. I just want to say, nobody's driveway seems large until you have to shovel it, right? Like, I, I thought when I first got, uh, we moved into this place that we're at right now, I was like, oh, nice short driveway. And then you realize it's like 35 yards long and at like a 20 degree pitch. Once you have to shovel it, you realize these things. <sighs> enough talk about enough talk about snow. I don't want to. I yeah. don't want to think about it anymore. So you you didn't have to go into work today, right? No, we. Uh, it's Martin Luther King Day here, and we had the day off. So it seems like that in New England, at least, Martin Luther King Day has just become celebrate the Patriots' trip to the Super Bowl, and you have the day <laughs> off. Celebrate Andy Reid. Are we no, celebrating? I gotta give it, I gotta give it to the Patriots. Management? I guess yeah, we are was, in New England. It's it's just hilarious to me. Like it's so funny that he exists as a person. Like that he's so good at personnel and gameplay and stuff that he can be so bad at clock management and still stay employed. Like still stay in high demand. You know. It, it's just hilarious, and he's just like it's so fun to laugh at him. He's like a classic character. You know, people look back in fifty years. All right. Well, congratulations on another Super Bowl trip. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we needed to start this cast off with like a 
like an early 2000s 50 cent song because Tom Brady's Instagram has been bumping those over the last few weeks and they're back at it. What are we going to talk about today? Uh, you want to talk about old school? Well, okay, I'm going to let you talk about old school. I will say I I agree with what you're saying because I don't really know anything about it. But we got one, only one email that we're going to talk about today. I promise you that we're only <laughs> talking about one. We're not going to let it get away from us. Yeah, we're not going to be looking up in this, this 45 minutes and we're still on the sixth email or whatever. Uh-huh. Never going to do that again. We have all the decks that we're going to talk about from a few events today, including the the MKM series, and we're going to do our new set review. So what was this email? Okay, so the reason why we're only going to talk about this one, because I think this email is right up your alley, and I will take my negative Nancy attitude, and I will let you go first. All right, so... We had another email that was literally the entire history of Tin Fins. We're not going to read that. We're not going <laughs> to talk about it because that took me that took me a long time to read. Just period. So thank you, thank you, Josh. But we're we're not going to talk about that tonight. We had an email from Nathaniel Hooker, and he said that the dead format cast has taken off and we, the community are better for it. So thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. First things first for strip mine. There are no other options. Old school for life. Yes. Then here's the thing that I felt like you were going to get all over. Also to the points you guys had on true name. How do you feel about invisible stalker in legacy? being a little brother to True Name Nemesis, holding jits and swords. It's a turn faster, but without equipment, it thumps far more slowly. I agree with that. I don't know, pet card or playable in a brew. Anyway, thanks for all you do. Let's try out TNN's baby brother and FK... No, FFFK... Oh, and that word, Arclight Phoenix. Sent from what, Nathaniel wait, Hooker. Wait, what word? From his Pip Boy. Oh, we're doing the Brainstorm Brewery. What did you send your thing from? Wait, I appreciate that. What's a Pip Boy? A Pip Boy is the Fallout little tablet armband thing. Jesus Christ. Anyway, what do we think about little true name? And I'm going to let you go with this because I think we have far, far different opinions. So Nathaniel Hooker shouted out our cast and said that the community is better for it, I guess. Yes. Something like that. And I feel like I've talked about this before, right? Do you recall this? Or maybe it got cut from our episode, but I feel like we've definitely talked about Invisible Stalker. Is that true? We definitely did. Okay. And you think it made it onto the episodes? It, it was there. It was there. It's ba- It's basically a card that I've thought about as True Name Nemesis five and six and possibly even seven and eight i've thought about this all the time i've thought about like hex proof decks that have like four true names four stalkers four nobles and then like one or two slippery boggles and green sun zenith maybe but also in that two drop spot in like a noble hierarch deck like in our old um bant deck our bant stoneblade deck before Leovold was printed. 
when we were playing some flex spots and like Knight of the Reliquary required that you run some weird lands. I thought about playing Stalker in that spot many times. Actually, I got a message from our friend Tom Cairns this week saying that he tested Stalker in Bug, and I was all pumped, and then I realized he was talking about Tomb Stalker, not Invisible Stalker. But Invisible Stalker is definitely a card I've thought a lot about, whether it's with equipment or or with auras. I just feel like if True Name is playable, like what's what's the different cards that will hit Stalker and not True Name? Well, I don't think, I mean, I, I just wanted you to, to go through your logic because I don't think it is close to impactful enough to warrant a spot. Like, well, so you're trading one mana for two power, right? No, fucking not even close. You're trading one mana for a good card compared to a bad card. True Name plays defense. And yep, Invisible yep. Stalker doesn't do anything of the sort. Invisible Stalker isn't a clock on its own. And True Name, albeit is slow on its own, is three times more powerful than Stalker and actually plays defense. I, I think that there, when we were talking about the flex spots pre-Leovold, None of the Reliquary is, a, is an excellent magic card. And if you were thinking that Invisible Stalker would be a substitution and still be on the same level as Knight of the Reliquary. I, I don't know. I don't know where we're going. Yeah, ultimately, I mean, I, I went to two clicks. I either played two knights or two clicks, but I had thought about potentially beefing up like the Exalted package, the Green Sun, not having Knight, but having multiple... Uh, I had two, a Quasali Prime Mage and a Rafik of the Many and two Invisible Stalkers in the, one of the builds I sketched out. So it was really like this sort of all in Exalted plan with no Batter Skull in the main, a Jit and two different swords. So it was it was kind of a different deck. I played it at, at FNM a few times, but never at like a 1K or anything bigger like that. So basically, you're, you exactly nailed it about not being able to play defense. So it would never fit in a deck like a Grixis Delver that's playing True Name more legitimately, right, than, than just like a Sulfuric Vortex. or it, it, It's using the offense and the defense. It's using the full card. And that's there's no case to play Invisible Stalker in a deck like that. It's really about pumping it up, right? I mean, you know all about playing Boggles, right? Is that card in Boggles? No. Hmm. Yeah, it just doesn't play blue. But I think that for that card to end up being sort of penciled into legacy playable, we would need another equipment that might be that might be lower costed that gives us extra redundancy to be able to play that and suit it up. Like Butcher's Cleaver? Well, I mean Butcher's Cleaver in limited, but Let's say that Wizards prints something that is humans only, like one to cast, one to equip for a human. Something similar to that that actually will be playable on its own. I really don't think that they're going to end up printing something like that. But the only way that I can see Invisible Stalker being worth the spot on its own is if you have a human synergy with an equipment that you can suit it up with. So we're, we're far ways away from that. And I think that any sort of delving down that road of using Stalker is 
redundant copies of true name might not be powerful enough for the format. So you're just thinking about like a Stoneforge deck, is that right? Yeah, I mean I I can't I can't see running Invisible Stalker in anything else because one of the main benefits for Hexproof is that it's not eating removal and the unblockable lends itself to equipments. Even right. if you have one exalted trigger, that swinging for two is not it's just not going to do it. I agree. One thing that I was wondering about was cutting white from that proposed deck and just playing more equipment and no Stoneforge. And I was wondering, in your experience, if something like that's ever been done in Legacy. I've seen it in some Maverick lists. I've seen it in some blue-white Delver Tempo shells. I've seen it in a few others that couldn't make room for the Stoneforge package, but uh-huh. knew that they wanted JIT. So you can drop the stone forges in the batter skull and play two jits and try to get ahead that way. Yeah, I was kind of sketching that out and just thinking about it. And I was kind of wondering if that was ever done before, right? It, yeah, it definitely had been. Okay, good to know. So yeah, thanks for the question. Invisible Stalker is definitely a card that I've thought a lot about. So yeah, I think we're going to skip the rest of the emails and go into our set review for Ravnica Allegiance. Okay, hold up. I think we should do the decks first, but, okay. but my wife actually corrected us. I got like, like a phone call as I was driving to work. And usually, usually when I get a phone call from my wife, when I'm driving to work, it means I fucked up. Like <laughs> I didn't take the trash out. There was something I was supposed to do before I left. And I like just forgot to do it. And I'm getting called to get yelled at. So I pick up the phone and I'm like, what did I forget to do this time? And she's like, you are hilarious. I'm like, what are you talking about? And apparently my wife listens to every cast now, so shout out to you. When we were talking about the, the quote, Marchesa deck, unquote, last week, my wife was like, you are saying that so completely wrong. And I was like, no, this is, this is how everybody says it. This is how it is spelled. And she's like, it's Marquesa. I will bet you. And long story short, I lost the bet. It is definitely Marquesa. And I, I did not win that that conversation. So for everybody, if you are talking about Queen Marquesa, it is actually Marquesa. Yeah, that's just that's just how it is. Yeah, when uh, Alyssa said that she had to correct you on pronunciation, I was like, oh, thank God. He's finally going to pronounce my name right now. But it turns out <laughs> it, it was actually about Queen Mar- Mar- Marquiso. Mar- was it? Mar- Marquesa. Marquesa. Mar- okay. Mar- Mar- I, I don't know. Close, I can't remember. Close enough. Thank you very much, Alyssa. We appreciate it. Let's get the decks out of the way, and then we'll go, we'll go as hard as we can on the set. You want to start with the Ch- Legacy Challenge? Yeah, let's do that. This Legacy Challenge... That happened over the weekend had four chalice decks in the top eight. We have talked a lot about how, man, chalices is good, right? Like, you have to be ready for it. There are reasons to do it. And Yo, I believe, is one of our patrons. I recognize that name. So, so either he is in our 
our Discord under the radar, or he is a patron. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume that he is an actual patron. And uh, I'd actually like to thank the two new patrons that we got this week. So we had Matt Thomas and Matt Shriver sign up. Thank you both. We are blown away with the level of support that we get. Our our Discord's actually pretty nice. I enjoy I enjoy interacting in there every uh, every week, and we have some pretty nice rewards, especially if you want to get us to talk about things. So definitely check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash the dead format. All right, so yeah, we had four chalice decks in the top eight of this challenge, and I know it's one challenge, right? Like we shouldn't jump to some sort of conclusions about this one random data set, especially when there's only one chalice in nine through 16, but it did have this feeling to me of like a vintage pre Trinisphere ban or restriction rather. Okay. Bloodstone Golem restriction is what I meant to say. Like that, that sort of like there's half of this kind of deck and half, not this kind of deck. Right. Yeah, yeah. that was like the, the first thing that struck me when I saw this. And maybe it's because I just sort of dislike the games against Chalice when they start to stack up. Like when you when you play like back-to-back matches against Chalice decks and it's very much about this, this one interaction on turn one that you, you can't necessarily be anticipating because you don't know what deck you're playing against. So it it just adds like this this level of variance. If you're playing a deck that that chalice is intended to prey upon right right and you don't have to play a deck that chalice is intended to prey upon right you can go sideways or you can go over it so it's really our fault for playing so much brainstorm but it still does kind of suck yeah i i had a message from somebody who i'm not sure listens to the cast but somebody who i used to play like magic with at the fnm level and they're like you need to settle an argument we're talking about what the most broken card in Magic is and what the most unfun card to play against is. And I said I said some anti-cards is the most broken. They're like, all right, not, not anti-cards. And they also argued with me that Chalice of the Void was the least fun to play against. They, they were of the opinion that Top was clearly the least fun card to play against. And I had to... I had to leave oh, the group. Yeah, I had to leave yeah. the group chat. I was like, none of you motherfuckers even play these formats. Anyway, like, let's get let's keep on talking about Chalice. I'm sorry to derail us. Yeah, so in first place and ninth place and maybe another place, I can't actually remember anymore. No, just first and ninth we had the eight rabble blood moon deck that we've grown to grown accustomed to seeing. Then there was an Eldrazi aggro and an Eldrazi post deck in the top eight and an aggro loam deck. Yep. Dan Neely with the aggro loam again. Yeah, he's always hanging out here, huh? I don't I don't think he plays in every challenge, but he is here a lot. Yeah. And then in second, Anurag Miracles. Third, I believe, was Curtis on de- uh, medium depths, like uh, bug depths, I believe. And then there was also a depth deck in sixth and Ant in fifth. So both losing their top eight matches. Yeah, there was another Ant deck that Brandon was playing right outside of top eight. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting, man. I mean, I think there were three Grixis Delver decks in the top 16, too, like in the 9 through 16. I mean, that makes sense, right? Delver, Delver has been, definitely been seeing an uptick in performance and in how many people are playing it. Probably one, obviously one impacts the other. But remember how we're having that little kid conversation with the right little kid? The 14th place Grixis Delver player was the little kid that you meant to talk about. Uh, oh, Spicklemeyer? Yes. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and there are three Grixis Delver decks here stacked up in the top 9 through 16. But correct me if I'm wrong, those are all 5 and 2s? 7 through... Yeah, 7 through 20 were all 5 and 2. So yeah, a lot of 5 and 2s from Grixis Delver. I hate to be to sound like alarmist, but... Why why are you sounding alarmist? It's like why am I sounding the alarm? I don't know. It's just like all these all these chalice decks and But nothing nothing here is really new this week except the Salamander flying dude who I actually still don't know the English name of it because I saw it from the spoiler website before it was actually translated. Do we know what that card is called? Terramander. Terramander. Yeah. I mean, like there's Terramander in there and there was a Phoenix Delver deck somewhere in there. I don't I don't really think that we're being alarmist when we say wow, Chalice is really good right now. We knew that, right? So Yeah, no. What what I mean is like looking at it, it's not like I want to play Legacy looking at this top 16. Oh. Oh, you're sounding you're sounding that alarm. I mean, I like I I just have been playing more old school, right? And like looking at this, I'm like, "Oh god." Like, playing against Grixis Delver and playing against Chalice. So that's just, like, I don't know. But then again, there's the challenge from last week, right? Which was a sick top eight. Well, I mean, it was, like, elves in the same thing, right? No, there was, like, a... The third place was, like, this junk loam deck, remember? And then there was... Okay, and there was... Uh, Death and Callum, Taxes. Callum with Buried yeah, Alive with Phoenix. Phoenix deck. Okay. And... Yeah, it, it was. It seemed like a more interesting top eight. Well, we'll see. We have the SCG in Syracuse coming up that yeah. I'm going to be starting to get ready for soon. And I'm definitely going to be talking through my deck selections and how my testing is going. Because that's like, that's my first big legacy event in a while. And I've made the commitment that I'm actually going to be ready for it. So I can't wait to be talking about that. I'm also going to be at Grand Prix Toronto coming up in a few weeks, the week after the Super Bowl, actually. Yeah, I was going to go to that with David, actually. But it's looking less likely now. So I I think I might be out for Toronto now. Oh, it's sad. I'm, I'm so in. It was fucking modern, though, right? Yeah, it's modern. But it's Canada, and I'm traveling with the team. So nice. I, yeah, last time... Last time at the Airbnb, we had some inc- incidents where we had to drink all of the maple syrup in the house that we were staying in, and man, that was a lot of maple syrup. I'm not going to go into the details about what what led up to that, but some good stories coming out of Canada. 
So is this is this rap? Is that like that team or is this? Uh... It, yeah, it's that team. All right. So that's the challenge. You mentioned, I want to say nineteenth place, perhaps that Terramander made it, but we're gonna save that for later when we do the set review, right? Yeah, we will definitely talk more about that card. All right. Across the pond, then. Well, let's do the league. Now, obviously, the league results have a little bit of that upgraded flying man there. I'm looking at these deck lists for the first time. All I looked at was the Terramander list before. Yep. Did you have a list that you wanted to talk about? Topher's playing lands. Ugh. If that if that makes a difference. R.I.P. Tabernacle with the recent rules change today. Yeah, that fucking... You kind of have a free pass to hold your opponent to call you on it, and then you get to draw your card and play your land before you pay. I don't like it. And I understand why they're doing it, but it's going to take some getting used to, and that card does lose quite a bit of effectiveness when it works this way. Wait, 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 wait. Say that again? You get to draw your card? Well, yeah, so the way that works now, right, is that the controller of the tabernacle has to remind the other player of the trigger, right? Like, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. So if you, the player with the tabernacle, don't say anything and you let your opponent draw and it's their priority in their main phase and they play their land and then you point out hey, uh, I have a tabernacle. They get the extra information of having drawn their card, knowing what they have. They got to play their land, and then all of the triggers go on the stack, which they can then choose to pay for. It used to be that when that got pointed out, all the triggers went on the stack, but you no longer had the choice to pay for them. Right. And the creatures were just gone. So you need to be more aware of your tabernacle now and i'm not super against why they changed it but it changes how those cards functionally worked in my mind yeah that is pretty weird there was one deck list that i saw that was really interesting and it wasn't it wasn't really a white eldrazi build that you're used to seeing because there's no displacer there's none of the cool stuff that you saw with those white eldrazi builds this is literally a four containment priest two ether sworn canonist steel overseer walking ballista thalia white artifact there's no displacer in that four containment priest deck there's no displacer there's three in the sideboard okay there's none in the main deck there's a Steel Overseer with, what, eight other artifact creatures? Yeah. And some stuff in the sideboard, but this looks interesting. Yeah. Shout out to the outpost in the sideboard. That card. That oh could... my god. I, I thought there was no way it could be Keldron Outpost. That's awesome. It definitely is. That's it just great. It shows that you can do... You can do magic with 5-0 deckless. I, I don't know if this deck has legs, but it's there. And uh, there's actually an Eldrazi deck that 
is like a red blue mashup from the modern version yeah i saw that one that's when i was looking with drowner of hope and obligator and all of that stuff this is pretty much straight from the modern pro tour winning deck really that deck played vile aggregate no it probably didn't but it was a red blue eldrazi deck and i was trying to make the connection okay this looks like a draft deck I mean, not, not really, but like there's there's four Sky Spawners, four Ruination guys, and four Eldrazi ag- or Vile Aggregates. Like I said, you can do a lot. Yeah. To make a five O list, and um. But look, look, there's one thing though. This is not a Chalice deck. Which blows my mind, right? Yeah. Like this you deck five O with Chalice, no Chalice. But instead, you're playing Eldrazi three drops. Yep. Like you're playing. Four ancient tombs. I guess there's no city of traders either in this deck, so that's that's super interesting, man. Yes, it is. I'm sure this deck shits on other Eldrazi decks because they're wasting their time with stuff like Chalice. This guy's just playing actual Eldrazi. It's true. This guy or girl. There are four Chalices in the sideboard. I just saw. So maybe this is like the post fifty fifty Chalice plan. Sure yeah sweet all right we got one more tournament before we get into the set review we had an mkm in europe esper mentor was the winning deck and yep how many people played in this tournament 72 no i don't know hold on so seven rounds 94 players okay fucking a man 94 players so do we want to do we want to draw too many conclusions from this? Because this was smaller, significantly smaller than the classic last week. Yeah, I mean, I don't really. I I did think that it was pretty cool. The Eldrazi Taxes deck that I'm just a fan of to see that that made top eight, and the Esper Mentor deck that I really haven't seen anybody trying in quite a while, especially now without Death Right. Uh, that was pretty cool to see that mate. That actually won. And if you remember back at like Eternal Weekend, uh, that deck that was doing well, that like Esper Miracles deck, it's really not that different, right? It's a, it's a few cards swapped here and there. Yeah, it was just it was very interesting to to see that top eight and how it's shaped up. Obviously, Ant is extremely powerful in the hands of a of a great player the other decks that were in that top eight miracles lands elves also sort of lend themselves to that for good pilots the cap is is very very high for those so i can see how this top eight developed it's just it's a small tournament and i'm not sure whether or not we want to draw too much from it it's about half the size of the Sunday Classic last week, right? Right. Yeah. Man, what the fuck, Europe? Where was this? Oh, Bologna. All right. Let's do the set review. Tag it. We'll put it in the show notes. You came up with your cards that you wanted to talk about, and I got a few more to add on later. The card I want to talk about first is Terramander, obviously. Because I've seen that one get the most burn from people 
talking online, Facebook groups, Twitter, whatever. So it's a flying man, as you pointed out earlier. It's a one blue for a one one flyer that you can pay another blue and give it plus four plus four four one one counters to to be uh, more precise. Uh, you need to have seven cards in your graveyard. It's actually like a cost reduction effect, right? It's like a Bedlam Reveler sort of cost reduction effect. And I think that this card might... It's funny to say this now because it had a 5-0 and it made the Legacy Challenge, right? So it's kind of like forerunning this. But I do think that this this card might have legs in Blue-Red Delver. In that spot that we've talked about, how we don't like Storm Chaser Mage, but there's really nothing better, and we've tried different builds, different cards in that spot. Young Pyromancer is not exactly the card that you want. And the way that this card synergizes with Bedlam Reveler and the other cards like with Delve uh, specifically, or cards like uh, Grim Lavamancer don't synergize with it, I think that this card could be a legitimate option in Blue-Red Delver. I don't think it's going to be a defining creature in that deck the way that like a Delver or a Swift Spear is. But I think that it could be one of the one of the options for ways to take that deck. I would agree with that. When I first saw this card, I was trying to figure out how strong it was going to be in the format, obviously, and sort of how it matched up against Delver. Now, I do not think this card is better than Delver, but it it gives some interesting options to to add like Delver's 5 through 8 in a mono blue or a blue red shell. I think that we are going to see some burn with this card. Yeah, and I believe that both of the decks, if I'm not mistaken, both of the decks that made the list this week were Arclight Phoenix Thought Scour decks, is that right? Four Arclight Phoenix, four Delver of Secrets, and four Terramanders. That was in the challenge, and in the 5-0 list, it is also Arclight Phoenix, Delver of Secrets, Terramander. Okay. And there are two different uh, usernames. It's X-File and Zach with AK. I like this. I've... I've liked the idea of Thought Scour Phoenix. I'm surprised to see zero Bedlam Reveler in this deck, to be honest. Every build that I sketched out had at least one or two of those. But I do like where this person's head's at, for sure. That's not to say that this is like the only build. Absolutely not. I think that you could definitely play this without Phoenix, too. I agree. So yeah, Terramander. I guess we're in agreement, then. It's serviceable card i've seen people talk about it in rug too somebody mentioned like subbing in for nimble mongoose but i think that kind of misses the kind of synergy that those two cards have together i would actually think that the build would be mongoose delver terramander if you're going to go that direction and some number of tarmogoy for it well i mean adding creatures to rug might not might not get there Right. Right. So I would I would think that it would be something like four Delvers, two Mongoose, two Terramander, four Tarmogoyf, like some sort of like diverse diversification because those cards are kind of similar. 
or or trying to or trying to take out Tarmogoyf completely and just go with more one drops, which I'm not right, sure. Yeah. If, yeah, I'm not sure if that's right either. But uh, like mongoose is weak to them having a true name, right? Yeah, and this is like a flyer that's kind of in the same spot. It, it probably grows on about the same turn, and it's more likely to connect for one or two damage first if you decide to deploy it early. Right. Okay. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I think it's a good card. It's going to take a while to come up with a perfect shell for it, but it is definitely legacy playable. And I don't even know if there are perfect shells anymore, bro. <clears throat> okay. I feel like nobody's playing enough anymore. It's going to it's going to take somebody figuring out exactly what shell it would be maximized in. Yeah. To to run it. So the only other card that I'm really confident about is cinder vines as a sideboard card as a sideboard card yeah okay like specifically in rug i'm not specifically in rug okay i i can see that it it's flexible it come it can come in enough matchups miracles storm stoneforge decks i guess it's fine. I'm not really excited about it as an option in Legacy, but it's going to make its way into list for sure. Yeah, it's fine. It, it, that's exactly how you should put it. And what I like about it is, yes, to Destructive Revelry, it does cost one more mana, but it's one colorless mana, and you can actually stick this. So you don't have to constantly be leaving up mana to hit, to hit a Blood Moon once it comes down, so you can float the mana and then hit the Blood Moon. You can just sort of set it and forget it with this card, sort of like a Quasali Pride Mage when you're playing like Junk or Bant. So you can just sort of drop this on turn two and then leave it there to tag the Moon or Chalice or whatever it is you need to hit later. So yeah, I, I like this card. I think that this card has legs uh, as like a one or two of sideboard card with extra value and some other matchups. Okay, so you had one on this list at the top of your list that I'm skeptical about. So that's the twister? Yeah. Yeah, this is this is not me specifically talking about this card. This is I feel like I I feel like it was you, but maybe not. Maybe it's someone else who told me that this card is going to be in a wish board for sure that was 100 percent not me yeah and that, like i thought it was you but when i said it out loud i was like this doesn't sound like something tom would say at all so i don't know who who told us that man i mean i i might be able to see it out of a omni show deck that's exactly yeah but if you're if you're wishing with an omni in play you can just win the game Right. So I don't understand why you would want to do this. So it's Twister, and if you cast a spell during your main phase, you may put a permanent from your hand with converted mana cost 7 or less onto the battlefield. Yeah, I don't know, man. I... Okay. When you say you could just win the game with a Cunning Wish, how do they do that? Firemind's Foresight to fire mines foresight for another wish with counter backup and then you you release the ants or eladomri's call i guess 
Yeah, or call for Emrakul, something like that. Yep. So I'm trying to figure out. So what scenario is it that you'd rather do this? I mean, I'm sure that there are some like super corner cases where like you know your opponent has some counter magic, but then your show and tell would have never resolved. So I I'm not sure. All right. So this card, the next card uh, that I put on the list was Kaya. Have you seen people talking about this card? No. I just, I feel like it's, it's a worse Liliana. And playing this over Liliana, outside of a dead guy shell where your mana is going to be better to cast it, and even then I probably would just play extra Liliana, it's sketchy for me. I don't know if it's going to make an impact. Also, the reason I think this plays more in Legacy is because of the the wands, the converted mana cost, right? Like you have Delver, you have Chalice, you have Vile, you have you know, pretty much every deck has something that this can tag, right? Whereas in a format like Standard, this what the fuck costs one or less, right? Yeah, but like, are you excited about putting this down and getting rid of a Delver for three mana or a Vile for three mana? Like, if you're getting rid of a Vile. This is definitely dying. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, it's more just that like this has targets in basically every deck, and I, not in like a like a show and tell or like a spell based combo deck. But I I definitely don't see this being a main deck card. I don't hate it as much as I did when I first saw it. To be honest. I really thought that people were insane talking about this card in Legacy. Now that I'm looking at it some more, I I could see it justifying a sideboard slot in some in certain scenarios. But in the absence of Deathrite Shaman, I really don't think this card is strong enough because Deathrite Shaman made it possible for this card to come out on turn two, right? Right. And I feel like on turn three, without being able to sidestep days, it's just too hard now that there's not a black mana dork. Yeah, and the number of decks that can play this is kind of limited. It's like Dead Guy, Esper Stoneblade, and that's it. I don't think Esper would want this. Uh, it's like a Dead Guy thing, right? Okay, yeah, I, and I, I, I feel know. like if we're talking about cards that are borderline playable in Dead Guy, maybe maybe it's probably <laughs> not going to happen, right? Yeah, although, you know... Somebody will top it. Somebody will, excuse me, somebody will 5-0 with this. I'm, I can guarantee that. Yes, you could take a dump into a sleeve, press it, and make it a magic card, and you could definitely 5-0 with it. So, I don't know. We don't want to take that as uh, this card is good. Agreed. Okay, you got two more. Three more, four more. You got four more. Five four more, more, six more. No, shit, you got a list, man. Let's keep it going. I have six more, yeah. All right, wait. This, so this card, light up the stage. What do you? Th- I, I honestly cannot evaluate this fucking card. Okay, so I saw it, and I thought, okay, upper ceiling of this card could be great. It gives card advantage to a blue-red shell. The fact that you can play it until your next turn means that counterspells you draw with it are not dead. 
obviously your opponent's going to know that you can play those cards. But they're they're kind of dead. They're not as good as drawing them. Uh, obviously, they are not as good, but it might give you a tempo advantage if you flip a daze to it or a fluster storm or whatever it is. Obviously, the downside is that you have a clunky three mana spell, but there are going to be some decks that can reliably turn this on. I'm not I'm not sold on it. I think on like a like a one to ten scale. This is like a, it's like a six and it's, it's going to be serviceable in certain shells, but I don't, I don't think that this is going to be a, a draw spell that is highly picked up. That's my opinion. What I'm thinking about is burn, right? I actually don't, I didn't really think about this card in blue red because of the the counter magic thing that you mentioned earlier like imagine just casting this and seeing two dazes like imagine how how bad that would feel or a daze and a force you know and then your opponent just passes and it's like you just spit a card away for nothing like i don't i don't want that but in burn where basically every card you draw is just doing damage to them and if not it's mountains and you still clear them off the top of your deck which you need to do anyway so i feel like in burn specifically this card could have a home but what i don't know the answer to is whether burn wants to be spending mana on something that's not doing damage like i i don't i i've never i haven't played the deck enough to know the answer to that question right that would be something that we really haven't seen out of burn before right well i mean we saw we saw burn splash for treasure cruise when they could do that yeah but that's a little different though right that's 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 blue red no but mono red burn splashing volcanic island is fetch lands and playing treasure cruise okay see i didn't i didn't see that that's interesting that's kind of so would they do that for two-thirds of treasure cruise no i don't think so i think that this card is such a such a terrible top deck that you want all of your cards to deal damage, and this isn't what you want to do. You don't want to, on your turn to Lava Spike and then cast Light Up the Stage. That's not really what I think that we're in for. And I think that Burn does better by not playing a card like this and playing Extra Burn. So, it's just so redundant, the deck that you want your cards doing the same thing, you don't want different pieces like this that you're hoping come together. Yeah, that's that's half the argument, basically. That's that's what I'm wondering. Between that and, you know, just, just being able to have some sort of velocity. And I'm not sure that really top decking is what I'm worried about because they can just always hold spells. If they, like, let's say you're playing a four light up the stage build, then I feel like you don't ever get stock top decking because you're aware of that problem and you just don't fire off your last spell but then you're talking about playing like a slower game yeah you're, how t- many... you're talking about playing yeah. a redundant combo deck that relies mm-hmm. on mana advantage early to deal damage yeah. holding and that's spells. not really burn right that's like a different thing yeah that's why i said that i thought that if it does see play it would see play in more of a blue red shell but i don't think that those decks want this and right. i'm definitely open to be wrong about this card but i don't I'm I'm not 
It's not on my radar. I think that there's at least a 20% chance that I'm just very wrong about this. Okay. I don't want to talk about Electro Dominance. I got got killed by it at the (laughs) pre-release. I I don't... I don't... Like, Legacy has most of the cards that you're trying to break with Electro Dominance where you can you can play them. Like obviously you can't cast Balance or Ancestral, but you already have as foretold. You can try to do redundant things with the suspend cards with it, but I mean if you want to try to break it, break it. Just the all the people saying, oh man, you can Electro Dominance for zero and cast Ancestral Vision, like the only thing you just did was you made Divination cost double red. Yeah. And you needed both of the cards in your hand. That's not good. If your only reason for playing it is to try to cast Vision as an instant, then you're you're using that card wrong. Maybe there's a Restore Balance deck in Modern. Maybe the Living End deck gets better by being a blue-red shell with Electrodominance. I don't see it breaking out in Legacy. Yeah, you'd have to be, in my opinion, you'd have to be using either the wheel or the the restore balance card, and like just playing vision as like a. Just you'd want to have to you'd have to be want to play it anyway, like Shardless Bug did. So I I just really don't see this card being played. To to be honest, it was an interesting thought experiment the day that it was spoiled. Like, I was trying to think about the best Living End build and the best four as we're told for Electro Dominance deck, but I really don't think that I got anywhere with those th- those thought experiments. I don't think that I stumbled upon anything that was playable. Oh, man. I see this word, <laughs> this deck name in the next line. I need you to read it because I can't. Uh, captive Audience in Nickfit. In Nickfit. In Nickfit. When have you ever really heard somebody say <laughs> this could get played in Nickfit and then it actually goes and crushes? I other than like other than the, the the forecasting cost white tutors. Yeah, Sandworm Convergence. I feel like that card that card was uh, lived up to the hype in Nick Fit. But other than that, probably. Well, so th- I don't know, man. It's kind of like the other way, too, though. You can basically throw any fucking card in that deck. It doesn't doesn't matter because you're not going to top eight or anything. So you're just dicking around, really, and you're going to win some matches. So it's like any card is justified, right? But, I mean, is this better than tools that they already have? Like this isn't well, better than sandworm sandworm convergence. It's not because sandworm convergence serves a very specific purpose, right? So, what do you think the package usually is in that academy rector deck? It's like sandworm convergence, obviously, uh, knight of souls betrayal, or curse um, of deathhold, or curse of deathhold. Yep, I see some weird like. It's from like Amonkhet block. It's like a black seven drop enchantment that's kind of like this one. 
it's like bad something. I don't fucking know, man. Well, you're right about one thing. It's bad or something. (laughs) Sorry, I don't want to talk too much about this. Like, yes, if you cheated into play. Cruel, Cruel betrayal. Is that what it's called? I don't know. What does it do? Cruel reality. Five black black. It's from Amonkhet. Enchant player. At the beginning of Enchanted Player's upkeep, that player sacrifices a creature or planeswalker. If they can't, they lose five life. This is the card that gets stuck on me the most against Next Fit. Okay. Is is Captive Audience better than this card? Is like a generic sort of value card you're bringing in at, at, to lock the game against non-specific mid-range decks? It could be. You know how we spent 45 minutes reading emails? Yep. We spent five minutes talking about this card, and I feel like we wasted more time on this card. (laughs) (laughs) Can we move on? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, oh, God. I don't want to talk about this card either. You typed it up. This card's fucking garbage. Okay, wait. So when I was typing this card... (laughs) I typed, okay, it's called Biomancer's Familiar. It's like a two-drop uncommon, I believe. Uh, sit, activated abilities of creatures you control cost two or less to activate. And I was like, oh, Cephalid Breakfast? Is this like a like some sort of combo with creature stuff? And then I just kept writing, but like thinking about decks in my head, and I wrote, this effect cannot reduce the, the mana of an ability cost to less than one mana. So... Yeah, this card is trash. I don't. It doesn't belong on here. All right, I, I just want to skip over to repudiate, replicate. I I think that this card could potentially. Yeah, it's really it's really gonna struggle. But hybrid blue green, hybrid hybrid blue green to stifle. Because you can you can hit you, it has random utility value. So. One blue green, you can clone something of yours. So, both sides of this card cost. There's no six mana cost side of this card. Both sides are usable by regular decks, right? And I really, I don't see a home for that. Like, I don't think this card goes in rug or something. And I, I don't think that there's a bug deck right now that wants stifle. But I don't think no, that this no card... No deck wants Stifle for two mana. Right. But and what, having... what deck wants a three mana sorcery clone? Well, when you draw Stifle and your opponent's already at four lands and they're not playing like... A, they're playing something like Maverick or whatever and your Stifle is just dead at that point. Then you're going to fucking lose because you drew this card. Well, or, or you can just clone your true name. Jesus and that, Christ. If that's what you need to do. I think that this card is of a power level that it's worthy of consideration potentially someday. Like, I'm definitely going to pull this card. If I open it in, like, a, a pack, however that the fuck that would happen, if, as if I open packs, but... See, I think that Stifle is one of the one of the most interesting modal things you can put on a card because it's so versatile, right? People think about fetch lands, but there's all the... All the other things you can stifle, like a Snapcaster coming into play or flashing back a spell, or like a, a Jace Bounce, your Delver, or 
like there's there's a million things that you can cipher like a, a crater health behemoth activate like plussing your team you could have had a fucking counter spell for that amount of mana though you could have but your counter spell doesn't double as a clone right and there's I'm, a lot I'm, of things... I'm okay. I'm okay with that trade. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of like onboard things that you specifically need a stifle for rather than uh, a counterspell. Like if you're getting like a, you're trying to protect something from, from a wasteland, right? This is your, your last red source or something. And they're about to waste it. You can't counterspell to get out of that situation. You need to stifle. Like I'm just saying, stifle is a very versatile effect, and it's it's something that would be nice to have on a modal card. This probably isn't that modal card, but it's it's not. It's it is worthy of consideration, in my opinion. Okay. So, what is your your cards that you said that I missed? Okay. Well, I I again just want to say that I I think that there are some cards that could potentially consider a a look i don't really want to talk about dovin because i don't really think that card is playable but i think that dovin and kaya are on similar similar levels of playability what deck would dovin go in well i mean what deck would kaya go in we're talking about dead guy right like yeah dovin dovin would be in some sort of blue white tempo-ish shell or some sort of thopter foundry artifact based deck that already had access to a lot of thopters and wants another planeswalker to be able to kind of convert so it's it's not in anything mainstream but i think if we're going to talk about kaya then dovin was worth a just a just a thought just a thought yeah yeah i don't know man when i saw this card i was like man that seems completely useless like i couldn't construct a scenario where i would want it like want to pay three mana for for the abilities that it has right right so i think i think it's either in a blue white tempo shell where you want to be attacking where your plus one gets you up to your minus seven quite a bit or if you are in a shell that really cares about your artifacts and could use the minus seven i i think some sort of Chalice-based Thopter Sword combo deck could potentially want this as well. So, huh. has anybody ever done that with white before? Uh, Nick Ferno did. In fact, actually, I think the reason that I brought that up was at the SCG. I was talking to him, and he was pretty interested in this card. So, okay. there we go. Uh, nice. We didn't talk about Lavinia or Judith at all, and I think those are two cards that could make an impact. I think Ju- I, I think Judith. I don't know what Judith is. All right, so Judith is a one black red two two legendary creature, and it anthems the power of all of the creatures you control. Mm-hmm. Also, whenever whenever a non token creature you control dies, Judith deals one damage to any target, so creature or player or planeswalker. And I think that if we're talking about a Bloodgast, Goblin, Bombardment, Mardu, or Black Red deck, that a frontside Anthem with an additional effect when creatures get sacrificed could potentially work. So, I'm not saying it's broken. 
this is definitely going to see play, but Judith in a bombardment deck seems like it could be a perfect fit. I I agree. I, I like that. I I didn't read there's like the uh fucking guild logos on these cards text boxes yeah and i i think i just read the creatures get plus one plus oh anthem part and just didn't realize that that wasn't flavor text because it's all obscured by that fucking horrible looking logo yep that and to any target too yeah that's, so it's that's not really a lot looser than what they usually print 100 percent. i like i like that card a lot lavinia like there are a bunch of people that were like man this card is such ham-fisted design. It does. All I hate this. this card. Yeah. You you hate. Well, you hate the design, or you hate its power level. I don't think that it's even close in power level. You you were talking about a seven-drop black-red enchantment. Yeah. And you don't think that a two-two white-blue hate bear could potentially see play? No, not even in this format, not even close. What what matchup is this card good in? Okay. I I think that in not talking about this card, it is a disservice to what it can do. And Canonist does do a lot of things better in certain circumstances, but saying that this card is legacy unplayable when we talked about a bit before is kind of is kind of crazy. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I really just, I don't see this card. I, I tried. So when this card got spoiled, obviously, like, the first thing you do is you're like, what? you have to reread it, like, five times and think about how it applies to different matchups. And I went from thinking this was good to thinking this was, like, I would have to think really hard about it to see how it, like, fit what what it could possibly take the place of and what matchups would be good in to just thinking this was like maybe like a four or five in a few matchups and i just really don't see this card okay pitching in i i guess it's going to be really good in vintage is what i hear i mean i i thought this card was worth talking about yeah i mean it is certainly it's certainly worth consideration i thought that we talked about it already on like a previous episode but I figured that we should go through, like, the things that we talked about before. Yeah. You don't want to talk about the fucking Mythic box that apparently they're doing again? Because I see them at the bottom here. That they sold for a bunch of money and sold out? Of course they're going to do it again. They're going to do this for every set. Hell yeah. It's so funny, dude. Like, you don't think that's funny? No. It sold out. They're going to do it again. No, I'm saying you. Of course, I agree with you there. You don't think it's funny that people buy them? Everybody who didn't buy the last set, who had the option to, was a moron. You had the option to. You were at Montreal, motherfucker. I didn't buy didn't it, buy and it. I was a moron. Yeah. They were two hundred dollars, and they were reselling online for six hundred. Yeah. I was a moron. So you're gonna buy this one? Nope. Because they're probably going to increase the print run, right? Exactly. Like everybody, everybody was saying, like this, they're going to print the crap out of it. You can get it at every Grand Prix. Yeah. Then they were available at like three, and people were like, "Ooh, this is the only way that I can get one." Oh my god, they made Dak fade in Chinese. No. Look at them. Yeah, I don't know, man. Do you want to wrap this? 
All right, so if people want to tell you how bad this fucking cast was, where, th- where can they tell you? T smiley at twitter.com or however the fuck you say that. T smiley MTG. T smiley MTG on Twitter. Uh, direct all hate mail there. And if people want to help shovel your driveway, how should they do that? They can get in touch with me at T smiley MTG on Twitter. Right. No, you got to give the cast email. Dead format cast at gmail.com.